Um, that's a great question because I get that question a lot where people say, well, this is my situation. This is what I earn. What should I do? And I ask, always ask people, well, more importantly uh, to the as is, you just shared, me, shared with me about your, the reality. What do you really want for yourself? So what, do you, what is it that you would really want for yourself uh, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years from now? Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. But um, yeah, that's interesting. So then um, uh, what else do you do other than your uh, coaching and financial advice stuff? That's what, you know, pretty much what I do is I... um, I work with people on developing like strategic financial plans. And then, um, and then after the planning is clear, then we place the investments for people in the markets. Okay. Um, that's, what, that's what we do every day. So is it more of advice or do you actually manage their money too? We manage the money too. So it's, it's advice first and then we implementate the investments. Okay. So for those who don't have like a high risk, but they're uh, they're not completely conservative, would you a uh, a dollar cost average for the S and P five hundred be one that you would advise? Well, you know, it, the S and P five hundred is considered to be, you know, that's an aggressive asset. Any, when you start talking equities, equities are not conservative. Um, never fall into the basket of conservative, even the S and P five hundred, right? So, um, conservative and equities are are the polar opposite. So okay. when you start mentioning conservative, you want to buy CDs, uh, treasuries, certain bonds. Uh, you know, when you start talking about equities, you start moving to moderate, moderately aggressive and aggressive. What's the most aggressive in your scale for? I would say, you know, somebody buying like uh, small cap and mid cap equities would be the most aggressive. Um, and, but if somebody's dollar cost averaging into those asset classes, um, you know, the, the tenure at, you know, when you look at it from a decade perspective, they usually do pretty good. Yeah, usually it'll be like we were talking about earlier. It'll, it'll be interesting how this plays out currently what's going on. Totally. I think, uh, I think a lot of, I think this has just been a really bad year. I think that next year, um, I'm hopeful that, you know, that, that things are going to get better. Yeah. Me too. So then um, I'll, I'll chop all that out. How do I properly uh, say your, uh, your name? Rocco is my first name. My last name is Carrero. So Rocco Carrero is my Carrero. name. Carrero. Okay. Chop all that out. Welcome, everybody. Today we have Rocco Carrero. Hopefully I said that right. But um, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. We were just chatting about investing and trading, especially on the recording of this on the 6th of October, how the market is just whipping everywhere, um, our, our different points of views. But he has some great takes on business and advice and just life in general. Take it away. Well, Josh, first of all, thanks for having me on your show today. Thank um, you. Yeah, I think the um, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is this book I wrote called The Three Chords Approach to Life and Wealth Management for Business Owners. 
Mm-hmm. And the book really takes a look at um, a person's um, business life slash financial, their life as a family person, and then their life as an individual. And the three chords approach really is uh, is another way to look at comprehensive planning. So the book goes over financial planning strategies, but uses a three-chord approach to make all those different things happen. That's interesting. Um, can you go into the first chord of it all? Sure. So um, now everybody, so everybody's like, well, what's the first chord? You know, e- each of the chords are equally as important. Uh, they really are. And so there's no there's no right or wrong way as to what somebody might say the first chord, the second chord, the third chord is. Um, and so for our purposes in this conversation, let's kind of take a look at uh, the first chord being business, right? And so uh, take a business person, first chord, you know, having, having a strong business, having things set up financially in a way where you're really strong is really important. And so all, as well as your financial matters. And that's, that's usually achieved through doing good long-term comprehensive financial planning um, and business planning. So that, that represents, so business and finance is the first chord. Okay. So then on the note of business, do you, um, do you talk about the, the aspect of work-life balance? Cause an entrepreneur's life is very, it's either it's all or nothing kind of thing at times. Yeah. Um, so we do talk about that and, um, you know, it's very hard, you know, it's very hard to do everything well at once. So in the book, we kind of talk about, you know, when you're, when you're focused on business, you want to try to be focused on business as much as possible. When you're focused on family, be there for your family. When you're focused on yourself, you're, you're, you know, you're paying attention to what you're doing on your own. And, um, and that's really the concept. You know, you can't do all three well at the same time. You got to have periods of like when you're doing things. So if you're working in your business, you're growing your business, you kind of want to be there fully for your business, right? If you're there with your family and you're at your kid's soccer game, you want to make sure you're at the soccer game and that you're not on your iProduct or texting or, you know, talking to somebody. And then the last piece, of course, is, you know, yourself, right? So if it's, you got to make the time to do the things for yourself to make sure that you're healthy, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of those different pieces. Yeah. That's the biggest one. As I've talked to the different uh, entrepreneurs, the, some of them said, we learned this lesson way too late in life and forgot to prioritize ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, that is, you know, I've met really, you know, I've been working with highly successful CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners for 25 years. And, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's not intentional, but business owners really focus the majority of their time on their business. And then sometimes what happens is that their family takes a back seat to it. And uh, that does impact things later on down the road. Um, and also, let's say you take a business owner who's got a really successful business, but they're, they're there for their family, but then they don't pay attention to themselves as far as taking care of their well-being. Or you get a guy that's really terrific at, at uh, being a family person. They're really great at looking after themselves, but they're letting their business just go to the wayside. So all three are important. Uh, all three, you know, each chord individually is not as strong as when all three together. It's a really important point. And the three chords separately uh, could snap 
but it's when you put all three together, you basically, now you got a rope and that makes things really strong. Yeah. I was going to say when you wrap the three together, it's a rope, it's hard to break it. Impossible. It is at times. Um, so then what are some of the other aspects that you go into with your book? Um, other aspects, you know, we kind of talk about my background is, uh, you know, getting into business. Um, you know, I learned a lot about business, um, from my father, uh, basically, uh, my, my dad had a tailor shop in my, our local hometown. And, and while I was at the tailor shop, um, I got to see how he worked with, uh, with his customers and he never, he never wanted me to learn how to be a tailor. I literally, unfortunately can't even sew a button onto a shirt. And, um, he wanted me to sit at the desk and, uh, watch how he dealt with his customers. He wanted me to read and he wanted me to write and he wanted me to do math. He said, you know, you're not going to touch any of these machines. You're not doing any of that. And, um, and, you know, I really didn't understand that at the time. I kind of was actually kind of angry saying, why won't you let me use the press machine? Why don't you let me do these different things? And he was very adamant about me not. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I guess it kind of worked out okay for me um, by, fo- by, by focusing on the things that he told me to focus on. Yeah, I'm sure he, he was seeing it. He's like, my industry, my business, uh, it's not going to last. So I learned a trade that's going to disappear eventually. Totally. That's basically what happened. You know, uh, you know, now people, they rip their pants and, they just throw them away and go buy another one. You know, years ago, people go to a tailor, get the, the pants fixed or whatever. And now it's, we live in this disposable society. You just throw things out and go get another pair. Yeah. Yeah. Although when I rip pants, <laughs> it's the, uh, it's usually at the seam. So it's not really easy to repair. <laughs> you can just go out and buy a new pair. I was like, that one is like, okay, I'll go buy a new one. But yeah, like different shirts for the longest time, I would patch them up too. Yeah. That's, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, that's, so, you know, I'm my, I'm a product of, um, of, I'm a first generation American. My parents came from Italy and they came in the uh, early 1960s. And, um, I'm very proud of our heritage and very proud of the lessons that I learned and I'm proud of the culture the, you know, the, you know, Italian people, Italian people are very hospitable, um, you know, they like to eat and hang out and uh, socialize. And, uh, it's, you know, it's one of the things that I was around my whole life. And uh, that, too, has been a, a great, uh, great thing. So I kind of talk about that in the book, too. But the book is really a, a financial planning book that's focused on doing financial planning and then takes the three chords approach and kind of wraps it into it. So then what are some of the strategies that you go into for the financial planning of the book? Well, you know, first thing we do is we kind of have people take a look at their uh, their assets, their liabilities, their income, their expenses, their risk management, their estate planning, kind of where they stand today. Okay. And then they talk about, okay, this is where I want to go. And then, you know, so let's say a person has, uh, you know, $500,000. They're like, listen, I want to have $3 million by the time I retire. Um, and then we build out this plan saying, okay, well, if you do this year in and year out, by the time you retire, you will get to that $3 million mark. And that really ties in with what we do with people every day in, um, within our practice. That's impressive. So I'm just curious for me, uh, a profile for 29 year old working a minimum wage job, 
has a Roth IRA, what would be a, a, a strategy you would recommend to that? Um, that's a great question because I get that question a lot where people say, well, this is my situation. This is what I earn. What should I do? And I ask, always ask people, well, more importantly uh, to the as is, you just shared, me, shared with me about your, the reality. What do you really want for yourself? So what, do you, what is it that you would want for yourself uh, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years from now? And, and once that's clearly defined, if you said, you know, I'd like the work to be optional, I'd like to live comfortably off of my resources, I'd like to do all these different things, then we could really help, for you, help to build you out a plan that's going to help you get there. So if you said, you know, I need this much income, then I, I would suggest, you know, and if the, if the income that you're earning now cannot fund the retirement goal, I'm going to suggest to you that you go out there and do something different to earn more. Make okay. sense? Yep. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. And yeah, it was like you were saying earlier, I guess my goal is to get to the point where if work is optional. If I want to take a week off, I can because my assets are paying me enough kind of thing. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I, I get the picture. Thank you. Um, so then for again, back to my case, um, let's say it's a person earning 60 K a year can set aside at least 20, just needs 40 K a year to get by They're Clearly they're not in California. Cause it's I like, I like that person. That person seems very financially responsible. Okay. Um, what would be some of the strategies um, from the book, but also from you that you would recommend to put that 20K to work? Oof, well, the first thing is if they're working someplace that have access to a 401k plan, they could put like, you know, 19,500 into their 401k plan, um, maybe get a company match depending on the company's plan. But uh, that's kind of a home run right there. They bank 20 grand. If they, geez, if they could bank 20,000 bucks a year uh, for a while, uh, they'll, they're going to be, they'll be really, really great shape in retirement. Um, but you know, let's say if they could bank 20,000 a year over the next 20 years, they'll be in great shape. Okay. So yeah, I would just, uh, think of an avatar where they can reasonably set aside, uh, that much money. Okay, cool. Um, what are, do you also in your practice help people figure out, um, I wouldn't necessarily say run their business, but advise them in different ways to yeah. optimize it. Yeah. Yeah. I did that this morning. That was my first appointment this morning. Okay. And uh, we work with business owners on structuring a team who the business owner surrounds himself with, who's their risk manager in terms of insurance, who's their attorney, who's their accountant, who's their banker, who's their financial advisor, who's their estate planning attorney. Um, so we look at um, we look at all those different things to make sure that business owners really have a sound group of people around them to help them achieve their their uh, their financial goals. Interesting. So then, was um, what was without giving too much information away? What was their biggest critique that you pointed out to them that they didn't even see coming? They were they were a young couple and they didn't okay. have uh, risk management. You know, three kids didn't have any life insurance. That's you know, they had a great business making lots of money. However, the uh, if something happened to the primary uh, earning person in that relationship, they're in big trouble. Um, and so, you know, that was, I said, before you really do anything here, we need to get risk management in place. 
Interesting. So would that be like term or whole life for them? Uh, you know, it depends on their cash flow, but probably be a combination of both. Okay. Um, some term and some permanent. And that's really the, you know, that would be part of the idea. Okay. Do you also recommend if they go with the whole life route, they get the bank on you certified uh, insurer so they can also pull out on their life insurance or is that more? Well, yeah. Some people like to use that, you know, the cash value life insurance and turn them into retirement income life insurance strategies. Definitely. You know, but first, you know, we want them to max out their 401k plan. And then after that, if they want to use retirement, if their cash flow is good enough, we then would, you know, have them use retirement income life insurance. Okay. So, but that's a more, once everything's established, then you do that strategy? Yeah. But, you know, once everything's established, but the, you know, getting the, getting the term insurance set up quick is something for them. I said, you know, you're really going to get this going. So. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I just want to touch on something earlier. You mentioned your, um, the Italian family. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a, like a up and coming story? Like you told us about your father and your family, but what were like the events that led up to you being where you are today? Um, I would say that. So I've always liked helping people. Um, so I've always had that interest even from young child. And I, and I, um, I liked helping people. I, I liked business. Um, I liked looking at companies and understanding why they worked or why one company was better than the other. And, um, and so I, uh, when I was in college, I interned in the business and I can't really got kind of a better idea as to how it works with security selection and doing that. And, um, and I, but I also, you know, so I, I knew I didn't want to be an analyst because I like working directly with people um, or a portfolio manager. So I liked, I really liked the idea of sitting around the table, talking to people and people telling me their problems and then me coming up with solutions and how to help them achieve those financial goals. And that's kind of how I ended up in this, in this world uh, 25 years ago. It was just, was it the... A lot of people were asking you, oh, you know this, can you help us with uh, our finances? Or you like bumped into uh, some person that put you on this path? You know, I was, I was, I knew that I wanted to be, um, I knew that I wanted to be in the world of financial services. Actually, my first thought was that I was going to be an investment banker and I was going to travel the world and um, raise capital. But as I told you, a first-generation Italian-American, close with my parents, I knew that that job would require me to travel a lot. And I did not want to be more than 25, 30 minutes away from my home. Um, so um, being in the world of financial services, you had to work in the world of retail in order to basically be able to work in you know, Suburbiaville, right? Suburbia. Uh, this, I mean, now there's so much more technology where people could trade from anywhere. But... Uh, you know, 25 years ago, you would work with the retail uh, market, the individual people, and that allowed me to be close uh, to home. Yeah. Yeah. Especially 25 years ago, I think online trading was just starting, but it was still kind of clunky. Yeah. Just starting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I've heard some horror stories of people when they were first using uh, E-Trade, I believe it was, and they were uh, 
some of the people I, I have a resume call every like two weeks and they're like, Oh my gosh, we lost so much skin off our back because of that E-Trade because it wouldn't execute when we needed it to. Yeah. Still probably, you know, when you think about, you know, all this online trading, if your system goes down, I mean, you know, people got to be careful of a lot, a lot of this stuff, but technology is much better now. Yeah. And there's a lot of server-based stuff now. Um, like my TD Ameritrade, I just place an order. It's on the server. It'll execute when my rules are activated. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. So was it because you were in, you had to be more in suburbia? Was it because the clients or did you have to be uh, close to the, the trading area? No, I, I, I wanted to be suburbia because I wanted to be close to uh, my hometown and where my parents were. So, you know, I could uh, become a wealth manager for people in New York city, but that would, you know, that was going to get me like an hour and a half commuting every day. So I wanted to spend my time in the office and working with clients. Didn't want to spend my time on a bus or a train or in the car. Um, and so I was still living at home with my parents at the time. And so, you know, this type of work was like the, the, the ideal space for me. Okay. So then, um, well, tying back to your three chords aspect, how did, um, you balance yourself with your rules, uh, that you have now? What, what would you have recommended to your younger self with the three chord principle? Um, Definitely to put more into my physical self, right? You know, so I would tend to start and stop with exercising. And like right now, I'm doing pretty good. Been exercising for a couple of weeks every day. That's going great. But, um, but uh, you know, during the younger years, it was like I really didn't have time for anything, but really my work uh, and my family. And, um, and I really didn't. And I did a lot of professional and personal development. It just wasn't in the physical space. Okay. So it would be the focus on yourself and your, your well-being on top of everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just guessing here. I'm sure you skipped a lot. You had a couple of sleepless nights. I still have sleepless nights. <laughs> I mean, I, I still do. You know, I worry about my kids. I tend to worry. Um, and um, you know, I think worrying is a uh, is this human element thing that we were programmed in as humans, you know, thousands of uh, years ago, right? And um, you know, that kind of protected us from um, from doing crazy things, right? So, um, yeah, that's basically. Uh, but I still do worry. I worry about different things than I worried about twenty years ago. But um, worry, you know, I think worry is, is not, you know, not as bad as people like to make it out to be. I think some worry is good. Yeah, it gives you a little edge, but not too much. And I have to agree with our, our ancestors. Worry was good because if you heard a bush uh, shake, you weren't alert of it. It could have been a lion that just jumps out and kills you kind of thing. Exactly. We don't have random lions jumping out and killing us, at least here in New York and L.A. area. Maybe in Montana, you might have that problem, though. Sometimes in Southampton, we got some we got some bears uh, locally, but uh, I'm just jo- I'm joking about that. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's that's you know. So I think the, the human body was brain was programmed to as a defense mechanism to you know have some worry and have the sleepless nights. But obviously during the caveman days, they weren't worried about the same things that we, you know that we all worry about today. Yeah, because we got our our food relatively in check we got our shelter 
So it, it becomes the hierarchy system. Like, okay, well now we got to worry about this and this, which exactly. requires, yeah. Um, so what are you doing currently? Cause you said you you're exercising at least daily. Are you doing like going to the gym, riding your bike? I got a gym at home and I, you know what I've been really doing recently, which I really like, and it's kind of fun is I've been working on a rebounder. It's like a little trampoline okay. um, and um, not a spring based trampoline. It's got like these, uh, these cords on it and uh, give them a little plug. It's called Bellycon is the okay. company and they make a premium uh, little trampoline and I jump on it for, uh, I think if you jump on it uh, for 20 minutes, like it's equivalent to like being on the treadmill for like over an hour. And because when you jump up and down as you're, you're using certain muscles that you don't normally use and that your, bo- your body gets double the efficiency because you're really, even though you're not working, but when you're coming down, your muscles are flexing. So I found it to be a very efficient way to exercise is, is using the, uh, the, the trampoline. It also gives you the benefit of moving your uh, lymphatic system too. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and um, which is great too. So I like it. It's fun. It's different. And um, yeah, we continue to do it. That's awesome. Um, so then I'm just curious for you, if you're exercising, I'm just assuming you're, you're slowly incorporating more healthier foods or have been eating healthier. Oh, you know, I go through phases with that. Sometimes I, you know, eat really good keto or clean diet or this or that. And, um, and you know, it's the red wine that actually kills me. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's those are like unnecessary calories, but, um, but I, I do try to eat good as much as I can. Um, and I've got to do a better job of that as well. Is it more like the, the red wine and the pasta is just like your kryptonite kind of thing? Uh, you know, I bread, you know, bread, red wine, pasta, um, you know, I, I, it's not a lot of things I don't like, but, um, but it's, you know, trying to stay away from those, uh, those complex carbs, uh, and sugars, right. So that that's inside of wine, bread and pasta, but we're working on, we're working on it. Yeah. That is the, the hardest part. Cause especially because it's so hard for the body to digest. It just spikes the insulin just on on a whole gnarly level. And you're just, our bodies were meant to use sugar, but not to that caliber. Not to that caliber. Right. I mean, I'll eat some chocolate, um, but you know, uh, I, you know, that's, that's another thing I just, you know, we just gotta, you know, where, where you put energy, usually see results. So if I put more energy into the diet, more energy into the exercise, you would think that you would see more results. So I just need more energy in that space. So then tying into that, how would um, we, how would you advise people to, to structure their lives and give more energy towards um, dieting? Yeah, I would say that they got to develop a model calendar. And what a model calendar really does is it helps you to kind of lay out your day every day. You got to put in there when you're going to have your meals um, and what you're going to eat. Got to make it as easy as possible, right? Okay, you know, at, at uh, eating at you know seven, eleven, one, three, six, and this is what I'm going to be eating. You know, if you make it if you make it as easy as possible, it you know it tends to actually happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the biggest one. As I've talked to different entrepreneurs, they're the one of them, it was a lady, my earlier one, she jokingly was telling me, she's like, yeah, my day is so busy. I have to literally schedule in when I have to take a, a restroom break. I'm like, your, your bells don't work that way. You're like, oh, you only work from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. <laughs> she's like, well, Very it kind of works for me. Like, I have a, That's funny. But uh, yeah, but that's the biggest one. All the different entrepreneurs I've chatted with, they're like, yeah, like have a schedule, even if it's a totally. rough outline and just follow it. It's hard. This old stuff is hard, you know. Um, but um, but listen, if you know, life's gonna pass regardless. So if we're gonna do it, just try to do the best job we can. Yeah, try not to have as many regrets as possible. Just exactly. live life. Just live life. Um honestly, I'm actually running out of questions to talk about. Is there anything I might have missed that you wanted to chat about? No, I think you covered everything. I think you did a great job. And uh, thank you very much for having me today. Kind of talk about the book. Um, for people want to know more information about the book, they go to my website, which is RoccoACarrero.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute honor. Thanks, Josh. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're an awesome person. Not many make it here. So... Being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app, if you do it on Apple uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy uh, some extra help over on um, YouTube. Watch my videos. I, mean, I just mute it and change the channel, <laughs> change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.